We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Advanced Sports Analytics Show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, a.k.a. Blender Ed, a.k.a. Blender HD, a.k.a. hopefully this week on top of you on the GPP leaderboards. Uh, it wasn't this past weekend. I didn't play any Derrick Henry, so I died. Uh, <laughs> join with me, as always, the man behind the model at Advanced Sports Analytics. It's Stuart Gibson. Stuart, uh, did, did, did you play Derrick Henry? No, I got uh, I got trucked pretty hard in uh, tournaments last week. Um, obviously, not playing Derrick Henry hurt. Uh, playing a lot of Russ Wilson hurt. Um, I played a lot of Michael Gallup that hurt. Um, I played a lot of David Montgomery, so I got off to like a great start, you know. And I was just like, wow, it's gonna gonna be one of those weeks. And then pretty much nothing happened from there. But. Um, I mean, we have a very similar week where Derrick Henry is going to be running back jock and I'm going to be like, uh, like, like just mathematically. It's, it's one of those things that, that yes, I get it. Derrick Henry, great matchup, great projection. It's not like he doesn't project well, but when you're the highest owned running back and you're over 9K and you're relying very heavily on touchdowns to reach your ceiling, like mathematically, like I'm, I'm going to win more money in the long run by not playing him than by playing him in a lineup, especially since your Derrick Henry lineups are going to tend to look like other Derrick Henry lineups. So it's not a matter of like not liking Derrick Henry. Cause I'm going to say that this week also, right. With the Titans, with the, one of the, the, the highest implied team totals and Derrick Henry being the highest projected own player uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to see if I could dodge it two weeks in a row. Yeah. I think, yeah. Similar case with him. I think also this week, there is a interesting number of like efficiently priced, potentially popular running backs. Some of which, many of which are in quite good game environments who are in these committees that we think we have a lot of confidence and kind of how that committee shapes out. Um, I guess we'll get to these guys when we do, but, you know, I think it's going to be an interesting week uh, to, to kind of pay attention to how ownership projects for some of these, uh, you know, committee leading running backs. Um, some of them are in committees that over the course of the year have been unstable in the past. And, you know, they're obviously in great spots if they retain that kind of RB one lead committee role, but um, if they're going to be super popular, you know, within the field, um, and there is, you know, not full stability in those committees. Uh, you know, I'd be interested to kind of hear hear your thoughts around that. But I do see some of these running backs kind of having super bimodal distributions, right? Like, uh, you know, Cam Akers, for example, if he is RB1, which kind of we expect him to be because he has been over the past couple of weeks, right? Like great distribution. But there, you know, is this chance that, you know, some of these guys 
might not retain the role they have in the last week. You know, some of these teams have been very volatile week over week with how they chop up carries. And, you know, if there's going to be super high ownership on some of these bimodal players where if they retain the role, you know, they have a nice distribution, but if they, uh, if there's some kind of change in role or maybe game script that, you know, severely alters the way teams chop up, you know, opportunity among running backs, you know, I do wonder if it might be a chance to be under on some of these guys who, um, you know, if the, if 20, 30% of the field is going to play a guy who we think is RB one, but has, you know, uh, 10 to 30, 40% chance of not being that RB one, you know, I do wonder if there's an opportunity to be kind of under on, on some of these guys. Um, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is the other one, right? Yeah. I mean, I think Taylor, yeah, Taylor and acres to me seem to be in kind of the most volatile role week over week, but I mean, you could make a case that CEH and Dobbins both have seemingly RB one status, but like that, we've seen that kind of flip-flop uh, year over, you know, or week over week over the course of this year. So um, yeah, I mean, similar to how you kind of talk about how Henry is a guy where you just let ownership dictate kind of how you treat him. I do wonder if there's going to be uh, you know, reason to maybe treat some of these other running backs similarly. So. Right. And that, that a lot of uh, our, our own analysts at uh, RG have their opinions and you could find uh, their premium content behind the paywall most of it, and uh, we, we now have uh, new packages here at Roto Grinders. You could pay just for a sport, or you could pay for the combo for everything. You get it's all you can eat. You get you get uh, the main sports. You also get the I play I play soccer DFS, and we have some of the best soccer projections. So PSU and Fear My Turtle, Varncast in uh, college basketball. Uh, we got uh, MMA content uh, with with H three Buddha. And like, it's all in one. So like if, you, if NBA season is coming up, if you just want to play NBA, like there you go. You could pay for NBA. You get all the NBA content, lineup HQ, all the projections, the ownership and everything. But if, if you want to play other sports, you want to add anything else, everything together, it's one combo premium package. You can get $10 off your first month by clicking on the link in the description of the YouTube video of the show. Feel free to hit the thumbs up button also while you're there. Hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, hit whatever you want. Doesn't matter. Uh, but uh, but on, on this slate, uh, th- I mean, to me, this slate, Stuart, is 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 a typical for, for this year. Like we got we got high totals, but not exorbitantly high totals. And we got low totals. Some of them are a little exorbitantly low. But we don't have like one game that's like a 56. We don't have one game that's out and above everything else. We kind of got 51s, 50s, some 48s and 49s. So uh, I don't necessarily expect ownership on stacks to be to be as condensed as there's like one game that you have to have. So to start with uh, with our analysis, let's go to the highest total, which is it's, it's in flux because we don't know the, the uh, status of Matt Stafford. But uh, in most books that this line has opened up as a 51 and a half, it's uh, the Titans at the line. Uh, it's the lines at the Titans. Uh, it's a uh, 11 point spread in favor of the Titans. So they have like a 31 and a half implied team total. The Titans have a 20 and a half implied team total. Uh, obviously, just like we said, Derek Henry, most likely going to be the highest owned player on the slate let alone just at the running back position uh, with, with if Stafford does not play, we'll have Chase Daniel, who's not necessarily known as the one that could really push the ball down the field uh, based on, uh, I mean, based on like just simple game theory, you would think that with a 31 and a half total that, and Henry being like chalk that, I mean, looking at like Corey Davis, or AJ Brown and a Tannehill stack, like to me, that makes the most sense if you're going to try to get the maximum amount of leverage and the Titans still put up 30 plus points. Yeah, I think going Davis or Brown probably would. Well, I mean, yes, Davis plus Brown, I think would maximize leverage against Henry. Um, I'm just not so sure you're getting great like correlation properties with Brown and Davis. Historically, they haven't, shown the ability to kind of get there consistently in the same game. Um, so maybe picking one or the other, uh, 
might be kind of a happy medium of leverage, but not, you know, overextending on kind of negative correlation. Um, Cause that's what I would be thinking of on a slate where we have enough high totals. I'm more thinking my construction for large field GPPs is going to be skinny stack style. The hmm. only, t- the, the, the only uh, opportunity I'm going to have to throw in a second pass catcher is probably like a cheap tight end. Yeah. Because the tight like if you don't pay up for Kelsey, like the tight end position doesn't matter as much. So yeah, right. if, if I could play some Janu Smith in a Tannehill stack with either Brown or Davis, but do you think that uh, another way to attack this game is to play the chalk Derrick Henry, but play it from the Detroit side? Because I mean, from a projection standpoint, these Lions, I mean, like kind of like all the receivers are priced up. I mean, I mean, with Galladay probably not coming back, priced up in a way that they seem to be more efficient if Stafford was the quarterback. But once you play, you know, Chase Daniel there, like I just, I just think a lot of the lines are overpriced. Yeah, I mean, you would kind of, I think, want to see Stafford back in that. So in our simulation, we have Detroit as a one percent chance of scoring the most points. So I think to me, and that that's you know tied close to that low low total that you mentioned to me, that's indicative of a, of a no Stafford play. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of a lot to pay for, uh, you know, a team that just got such a, such a low total, but um, maybe if Stafford gets ruled in, you see that uh, total creep back up, you know, I do think that could be an option. Um, You know, I mean, even, even for the runbacks, I mean, I almost feel like if I make a Tannehill stack that I'm like overpaying for Marvin Jones or even overpaying for TJ Hawkinson, like at 5,200, like, like, am I getting enough out of the correlation where I just, I'm, I'd rather either have a 3K tight end or just pay up for Kelsey. Yeah. Um, they are pretty expensive on the Detroit side. And like even DeAndre Swift uh, is priced up. You know, I think he could be a viable bring back. Um, so, I mean, I'm curious to just pick your brain on the idea of a uh, Tannehill Henry plus Brown stack. I, I, I'm afraid it's like preventatively, expensive um this week but I, you know i've been uh, as part of kind of my prep for the show i'm looking through uh, correlations and kind of combinations of players and how they work together and you know we're coming off just another week here where both brown and henry uh kind of got there in the same game um henry's price has come up such that uh you know i think it it would appear kind of the maximum ceiling you could hope from at least the combination of Brown and Henry is only about four X their, their salary. But I, I did kind of pose the question on our Twitter account uh, this morning. I, I am very interested and not sure that I have a strong uh, opinion one way or the other, but it's been pretty perplexing. I think we, we talked about it a bit on uh, Pete Overzet's show a week or so ago. I mean, the, the correlation between Brown and Henry has been surprisingly positive and that has held um for for a while now um you know is there any viability to you know going just all in on really kind of the the three you know shiniest pieces on tennessee um is is there you know reason to believe that kind of all three of these guys can get here in the same game even though their positions don't really align with how we think of players correlating with one another well i don't think they correlate to volume though I think it's, I think, I mean, when we're dealing with the NFL, we're dealing with very small sample sizes. And if we see in the games where Henry and Brown go off at the same time, it's, it's not due to volume. Like it's not a volume thing. It's a Henry broke a 70 yard run and AJ Brown broke a 60 yard pass. So do I really, to to me, those plays are high variance. Like Mm -hmm. those, those things that I, that I can't, I, I can't predict. I can't predict David Montgomery going off for an 80 yard run and then doing nothing else. Like you, you almost have to use volume to some extent where yes, although we've seen two or three occasions where two big plays happen between both of those players. Mm -hmm. Do I want to do that when Derrick Henry is chalk? Like, do I want to have to rely on, I mean, I'd much rather play one of Davis or Brown hope Henry has like, they could be correlated from a median standpoint right Henry has Henry gets 24 AJ Brown gets 22 and 
like, yeah, they would be correlated, I guess, but not like, not to like a true ceiling. So like, I don't want to, I just don't want to have to rely on the fact that it's not like they got there. It's not like it's uh, guys like Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler where it's like, okay, like if, if Herbert passes 50 times, like Allen can catch 14 balls and Eckler can get 16 balls. And it's like, okay, based on volume, I can get there, but not like on, on big AJ Brown's not getting double digit targets. So, I mean, like I just have to rely on big plays. And to me, I, I think that's very noisy. Well, I mean, what, am I saying something statistically that wouldn't, that, that wouldn't conceptually be accurate? No, I, I think you're right. I mean, they, they do have competitive, uh, I guess, volume in, in a way that perhaps is negatively correlated. It, it's, it's just interesting to me that over the past you know, year or so, they have seemed to sink their, their efficiency spikes you know, in, in, in weeks in similar weeks. And, you know, I mean, I think like scoring is a, is a function of volume, but also efficiency. And uh, it, it has been, it's been interesting. And I, and I haven't like, to be honest, I haven't developed a, a strong kind of opinion one way or the other, but uh, it's just surprising to me that there has, there have been kind of numerous instances of both these guys putting up ceiling performances in the same game Um you know, could, yeah, just be noise that they are, right, like, you know, guys hit efficiency ceiling games in a somewhat noisy fashion. Um, it has been interesting, I guess, that their their efficiencies have been kind of syncing up with one another. Um, yeah, I but do, I'm hoping people think that, and then I don't play it. Yeah, but, I mean, how many people do you think are going to go Tannehill, Brown, Henry? I can't imagine many, no? Well, I mean, with the highest implied total, I mean, I think it happens more... I just, I can't see playing a chalk piece like that. I just like, I mean, it really comes down to, if, if you told me that Henry was going to be 8% owned, I'd be more inclined to, to go along with that type of lineup construction. I mean, I'm not a big fan of doing that, even if he was like that, but uh, it, it just, do I want to have to rely on the Titans to put up six touchdowns this game in order to get there? Like I'd, I'd just, I'd just rather bet against it. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I guess really what it comes down to is like, Right. If the Titans as a team hit this six touchdown ceiling at the price point of Brown and Henry, like it doesn't really it doesn't get you five X. Right. It gets you, you know, four X, I guess, uh, given their prices. Like if Henry was seventy eight hundred and A.J. Brown was sixty two hundred, it would be a different story. Now, I mean, now, you know, you're saving three thousand in total. And yeah, now now they could get there more often for those prices. And -hmm. I think uh, we, we have to talk very similarly about the next game, which is the Chiefs at the Saints in the Superdome. It's a 51 and a half total. The Chiefs are favored by three. The Chiefs have a 27.25 implied team total. The Saints have a 24.25 implied team total. From all, from what I could gather, Taysom Hill probably starts this game, but Drew Brees is coming off the IR. So we're not really sure. It's Thursday. Uh, news, will, news will come out. Uh, at, on what we're more sure about, but we're not used to, it's kind of weird to say, we're not used to the Chiefs having such a low implied total at 27.25. We've been playing Chiefs when they're 30 plus implied total. And now uh, Kelsey's 8,000 and Tyreek Hill is 8,800 and Patrick Mahomes is 7,900. Uh, would, would I be, would I be wrong to say that, uh, now at these prices based on this implied team total that the chiefs aren't necessarily good plays this week. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I think similar to, you know, discussion around Henry Brown is just preventatively high uh, in pricing and, you know, maybe makes sense in like a super small tournament where, you know, you don't need, uh, you know, 200 plus points or whatever to, to win the tournament. But uh, as far as like large field or even kind of medium field, tournaments like yeah i mean it's you just need so much out of kansas city for mahomes plus hill plus kelsey uh to but pay. even even if you put in let's say you put in watkins instead of hill i mean you're still paying a lot i mean the stack still costs a lot i understand the only the only exemption for this to me is travis kelsey because yes he's eight thousand, but he's also at the weakest position that yeah. like he could put up a score that like no one else can at that position, similar to what we saw the past weeks with Waller, 
When he puts up 48, like he crushes, like you need to have him. There's not because you have to roster a tight end and he beats everyone by 28 points. So like to me, I could see Kelsey as a one-off. But once you start adding Mahomes at 7,900, like, like I guess you can make a Watkins-Kelsey type of stack. But I think that although based on our initial ownerships, uh, Jamino's hamster wheel, uh, the, the Chiefs are coming in lower than, than, than usual but they're still being owned enough that, that do I really want, do I really want to play the chiefs with a 27 implied total at these prices? And, you know, when, when they're like efficiently owned, like, like it's not yeah. like no one's not looking at this game. People are looking at this game. Right. Right. Um, yeah, no, probably not. Um, I think really the case to be made is just purely that, you know, these guys have a known ceiling that, you know, few, uh, few teams can compete with but you're right at the ownership and uh yeah i mean it's just like we've we've been interested in chiefs when they are the highest total on the slate you know now they're uh you know i don't know just kind of outside the top five even so uh i think it's an interesting state like they're the the teams at the top of the you know vegas totals are not kind of our usual you know usual suspects right like you know, we're so used to at least this year, some combination of Kansas city, green Bay, Seattle, you know, Indianapolis is always kind of sprinkled in there. Um, and yeah, we got some kind of some new, uh, some different teams towards the top and some of the teams that have historically been, you know, super strong teams, great ceilings, uh, typically high totals are kind of now towards the middle. So, um, be interesting to see how, you know, people kind of handle that this week. I prefer this game from the other side, like Taysom Hill, 6k, plus Michael Thomas, 7,200. And then you play Kelsey as the run back and do two plus one that way. And I think it's more likely that uh, the, the Saints tend to play slower, but the Chiefs play fast and they throw the ball a lot. So, so to, to me, like if, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, if I'm going to stack this game, it feels like I'm, I'm, I'm saving salary by doing it from the Saints side. And the Saints have a strong enough implied total and Taysom Hill has enough rushing upside that like the double stack, I don't have to worry about. Like, let me just get Taysom Hill rushing the ball in twice and then throwing two touchdowns to Michael Thomas and Kelsey, you know, Hey, he has two touchdowns and 120 yards. And like, that's the better way to go from a point per dollar standpoint than taking Mahomes for 1900 more or playing Tyreek Hill at 8,800. Yeah. And I think like, there's also, you know, good options for like a Kelsey, you know, Kamara had, uh, is kind of at least in one week was back to his old ways as far as, uh, you know, getting lots of work through the, uh, pass game. You know, I think there's opportunity to do some kind of mini, mini correlations there, you know, Kelsey Kamara, uh, Kelsey Thomas, stuff like that. Um, do have concerns about kind of Hill ceiling, uh, at least, so far he hasn't shown the ability to put up like big, big, uh, you know, uh, scoring games, but, um, yeah. Okay. Next game on the docket 51 total. It's the Texans at the Colts. The Colts are favored by seven and a half. They have a 29.25 implied team total Texans, 21.75 implied total. As always, every week when we talk about the Colts, a lot of options. Uh, Jonathan Taylor is picking up ownership, but I mean, for a team that's playing in the dome against the Texans defense, which sucks pretty much. <laughs> uh, Phil Rivers is 5,900. I mean, Hilton is now priced up to 5,500, but there's still a negative bias towards him, even though he's put up three good weeks in a row. Michael Pittman's going to be 2% owned according to our projections. Like why isn't, a good leverage point on Jonathan Taylor in that more ambiguous situation to just play a rivers stack and then, you know, run it back with the, like a Brandon cooks, if he's back or beauty or something. Yeah. Um, I feel like in previous weeks, kind of, we like Indianapolis as a team, but maybe not so much the players because it's very, blurry as to who kind of the guys we would want are it, it does feel like in recent weeks our focus maybe has been sharpening a little bit like um you know, i almost feel like the culture are almost easier to predict than the, the the buccaneers now 
Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, do, it does feel that way. I mean, it seems like Burton has kind of been less uh, prominent, you know, guys like Marcus Johnson, who was previously, you know, having a big, uh, big air yards role is kind of uh, become a non-factor. And yeah, it does seem like it's kind of condensing around uh, Hilton Pittman. And then of course, Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, I do have just concerns about the ceiling of kind of the, the trio of guys like, you know, I don't know, but I feel like sometimes I kind of run into issues like looking at historic ceiling of players and failing to acknowledge that there is a, you know, a true ceiling of kind of a combination of players that just hasn't yet been achieved. But I mean, so far, just the, the combination of kind of Hilton Pittman hasn't really gotten there. Uh, Rivers has shown not a super uh, strong ceiling and, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it feels just like a little bit of an uncomfortable uh, game to to try to stack up. But like, I mean, you're doing it for the price. I mean, we're not talking about expensive players. We're talking about Rivers at four fifty nine hundred. We're talking about Hilton at fifty five hundred. We're, we're not we're not talking about Pittman's forty eight hundred. Like this this is like to play a cult stack of some type, even if just skinny Rivers plus Hilton or something yeah. like. They're cheap enough and low owned enough that like, if you wanted to play Derrick Henry in that lineup, like that would make more sense. Like you, you point per dollar wise from the Colts you're getting like compared to, I mean, if we take a look at the implied totals on this game, on these games, we have the Titans. We got uh, the Titans, the Colts, the Ravens, the the Rams. Like, it seems like the, the Colts are 29.25 implied total, but they're that it's cheaper than a Tannehill stack. It's cheaper than Lamar Jackson. It's cheaper than a Goff Woods Cup type of thing. So, like, if you just go by implied team totals and just hope that the the offense gets more condensed, it's not one of those games where they score five touchdowns, but one goes to Taylor, one goes to Hines, one goes to Moali Cox, one goes to this guy. Like, it's all over the place, uh, which obviously can happen. But, like, I'm not I'm not scared of rostering Philip Rivers in, against the Texans. Yeah. I guess we kind of just need to see from them a, I don't know, combined performance that just like we haven't yet seen. I mean, so far the max combinate, you know, combined fantasy points between like, um, you know, Rivers and Hilton is only, you know, 47 fantasy points. Like the max combined total between Pittman Rivers, 41, uh, you know, Hilton Pittman have never combined to top 40 points together. So, but you know, that, that, I think the, I guess the point you're making is that, you know, we haven't like they're playing the Texans and, you know, because just because we haven't seen a total that, um, you know, is in excess of some of these, like, uh, you know, values that they've put up doesn't mean that it can't happen. Um, Maybe that's why it does happen now. If it did happen, these prices would be more. Exactly. Exactly. Um, And the ownership would go, I'm only interested primarily in this of a combination of that and the Jonathan Taylor ownership. Yeah. Like it, like to me, that's, that's the perfect combination of you're getting a cheaper stack with a higher total team and it's leverage off of, uh, of, of a chalkier running back. Yep. Um, no, that, that, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Cause it's like, you can't fully just given the total, you can't fully kind of fade all players in this game. Uh, unless of course you just think the game's going to go massively under, but you know, Vegas would suggest that that's not the case. Um, yeah, interesting. I don't know. This, this, this isn't a game that I've kind of pegged as a, you know, super, super high interest, but um, yeah, they are cheap. So, um, right. It's the price thing. I mean, I typically, if, 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 if this was, if this was, uh, you know, if Will Fuller was back and, and, and the Colts real, and like Ed, they had Marcus Johnson running routes. I mean, like it was one of those types of games I'd be with you, but I think that these offenses are a bit more condensed than they have been. And I don't think the field is going to realize that. I think the field will look at the T.Y. Hilton's past three weeks and go, it'll be one of those types of things, Stuart, where people will be like, no, no, it's fluky, right? It's T.Y. Hilton, he's old, he's, he's dust. That can't happen four weeks in a row. It's like, why not? Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. And I mean, it's just like, yeah, Hilton has had great games the past two weeks, but Rivers has put up, you know, sub 20 games and I, you know it, it doesn't like you would think kind of steady state long run if Hilton is going to you know put up 20 plus point games 
eventually, you know, rivers will, you know, kind of surpass that barrier. Um, it's just so far this year, like he, he hasn't, they kind of haven't synced up and, uh, you know, it's like, if you like, if you like Hilton or Pittman a good bit, you know, why not consider just grabbing like them as a, as, you know, a, you know, mini correlation, you know, uh, Hilton, Hilton cooks, Hilton, uh, you know, Kuti, if cooks doesn't play and consider that right. I, I guess I just have like major concerns about rivers in particular, like his ceiling, um, Right. No one likes him. I get it. I get it. It's a negative bias. Yeah. Okay. Next game on the docket. It's uh, Tampa Bay at Atlanta in the, in the, in the dome. Uh, it's a 50 and a half total. Tampa is favored by six. Now that's actually moved up 28.25 implied total. The Falcons with a 22.25 implied total. Uh, obviously, you know, we, we like teams against the Falcons, but the problem with the, the Buccaneers is that, like, Brady's fine. Okay, great. I could play for some Brady. Uh, the question is, is that who you pair him with? And he could throw to, like, anyone. I mean, Godwin, Evans, Brown, Gronkowski, Scotty Miller out of the blue, that'll kill you, right? I mean, right there. And then uh, and then we have the Falcons, and against with that low implied total, they almost seem overpriced. Like, you're paying 8200 for Ridley. Uh, most people won't do that. And I think that the chalk in this game is going to be Leonard Fournette with Ronald Jones now on the COVID list. And people are just going to be like, well, why not play? A, it's a 28 plus total and it's a running back against the Falcons. And you don't expect LaShawn McCoy or Keyshawn Vaughn to really, you know, they'll be the third down backs, I guess. But I mean, they're pretty much going to give it to Fournette and at 4,500, like that seems like a good enough value to me, but that also will make like everyone else in this game to be under owned. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tampa Bay is pretty infuriating. Like they, they f- always kind of consistently have this high total, you know, they're always at least recently have been priced pretty well, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, it's really kind of, you know, throwing darts at some of these guys. Um I don't know. It's too bad. Cause I, I do, you know, if we have more confidence in some of these receivers. Like I like, you know, something like Brady Evans, Brady Godwin, and then bring back like Ridley or gauge, but you know, there's just so little confidence that if Brady has a big game, it's going to come through any one of these guys. Um, you know, I think that makes it tough for even trying to play the Atlanta side. If you do want to bring someone back, I mean, well, I guess you could do something like Fournette and then bring back an Atlanta guy, but, but yeah, it's a little total. Um, this isn't really one of the games that has intrigued me. Um, Matt Ryan is cheap. He's 5,400. Yeah, I know. Um, and he hasn't, at least lately, hasn't shown the ability to like prove DraftKings wrong uh, in that pricing. Right, but we've seen in the past. I mean, it's not like Matt Ryan's a new quarterback. Matt right. Ryan used to have a prop of 300 yards like every game. And especially against the Buccaneers, you know, they, they have a good run defense. Why can't it be that why why can't it be that Tampa Bay goes up big in this game, two yeah. touchdowns through Leonard Fournette, yeah. and you play the stack of Ryan plus Ridley and Fournette is the guy. You don't have to worry about the receivers on the Buccaneers and just like I just hope Fournette falls in the end zone twice. And to me, that mitigates his ownership. Like and then then it's okay. No, well I can play Fournette. And then play two percent on Ridley and three percent on Ryan around him. That's correlative, so I don't have to worry about Fournette's ownership. Yeah, no, that that seems to make sense. I mean, I I kind of like that approach last week with like Rojo and the Minnesota side. Um, and we're kind of it's kind of a similar build, right? It's just like you know the hardest part of Tampa Bay to pin down is their receivers, even though you think you know maybe the the, the kind of touchdowns are more likely to come through. Brady plus some receiver you just don't know who it's going to be so like you know you may maybe take the lesser of kind of two halves uh because you have higher confidence and you know what that lesser of two halves will come through right because uh, Brady could Brady could put up a 300 yard game with three passing touchdowns and like yeah. Brady doesn't end up being QB one and and it's a touchdown to each of the receivers and all those receivers have sub 20 points and it's like you didn't need any of that but Fournette at 55 at 4500 like if Fournette gets, you know, 80 yards, two catches, 
two catches for 10 yards and two touchdowns or, you know, like he's, he's great. I mean, one touchdown even, right. If he's, if he's sitting there 4,500 with 18 to 20 points, like you're, you're good. Like 18 to 20 points ain't going to cut it for these six K wide receivers. Yeah. Um, you know, I like that approach and, uh, I don't know, to be honest, like Rid- Gage is a guy I'd be willing to double stack with Ridley and Ryan. I think like he's cheap enough where, you know, a double stack could be viable. Um, well, you play Hurst, if anything, you play the tight end. Yeah, um, I, I think that does make sense as well. Right. I mean, you just want to, you can't really do that. I mean, I'm Brady, Godwin, Gronkowski, it's the Buccaneers. Yeah, it's like it's 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 ridiculous. It's you know, Brate even factors in in a you know non-zero way. It really is. Uh, it's pretty frustrating because right. It's it's like Brady is trying to to stu- to st- stuff their stockings with the full of points, and it's not. Ne- it's 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 never in the same. It's never in the same stocking. But if you're looking for the ultimate stocking stuffer for this holiday season, look no further, because our sponsors Manscaped. Have the tools to make you win this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition, which I have no idea what that is. What, Stuart, what's a white elephant competition? You're, I'm not familiar with it in the form of a competition. Uh, it is, is a is a gift giving tradition um, around Christmas time where there's is that is that like Secret Santa is or is that something different? Um. I think it's similar to Secret Santa, except if you're in a Secret Santa, you are paired. This is, it, it's it's similar to a Secret Santa, except there is some uh, randomness and kind of blind gift selection uh, process. There's actually some game theory involved. I believe there are white elephant uh, formats where you can take other people's gifts, but a gift can only be taken so many time so like there's you know uh there's late there's late swap late swaps yeah there's late steals but you know at a certain after so many after so many swaps kind of the gift lock so you know it's a it's a um some game theory components to it why is it called white elephant what what does the elephant have to do with anything yeah no idea um it's not a (laughs) that's i'm just i'm just reading the copy and i'm like what the hell's a white elephant competition (laughs) am i missing am i missing out on something Am I am I am I not am I not upper class enough? Or, or this is what rich people do? They have a white they they have elephants. They have white elephants that compete against one another. Sure, if there's a class association uh, attached <laughs> to it, but uh, I'm less familiar with the the origins or uh, you know whatever of this tradition. But I I you know what I can imagine if you do, if you if you're rich enough to ha- to own a white elephant, Manscaped is the only brand dedicated. <laughs> to below the waist grooming and hygiene products, even for elephants, if you want to use them for elephants. And great news, they just released their products across Europe, Canada, and Australia, where maybe it's more legal to own an elephant. I don't think you could own an elephant in the United States, but I guess if you're rich enough, you could do whatever you want. That's that's America for you, right? So if, if, you, want, if you want to stock your stuffings or stuff your stockings or whatever, whatever you want to do, you want to get little tchotchke gifts, and pass them around to people, right? You get some Manscaped products. A few of the products are prime stocking stuffers this season. We know their names, right? I talk about this seemingly every other week on this show. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant. The name speaks for itself, right? Even if you have a white elephant. Like if, you, if, hey, if you're taking care of your white elephant, you know, like, what's that smell? Maybe it's the elephant's balls. Maybe... You need to put some deodorant on it, right? Don't give your white elephant as a gift without properly deodorizing their balls and your own and your own balls. Uh, The Crop Reviver Ball Toner, which is a spray on toner that will give your balls a little slice of heaven. (laughs) Your aloe vera and hazel extracts. I don't know what that's supposed to mean. A little slice of heaven? Toner. like that. uh, Ball toner means that like to make them look good. Yeah, I thought, well, when you first said it, I thought a spray-on toner was like a spray tan toner. For... That's what I thought. That's what I thought. It was like, so why is that a little slice of heaven? I don't know. The ingredients suggest that it is more around uh, skin conditioning and, um, epi- you know, uh, epidermis kind of maintenance down there. Oh, okay. To revive it. Yeah, something Because, like I mean, if you don't use it enough, it gets decrepit, I guess. Yeah. 
Well, you also need to get the Crop Cleanser Body Wash, a full body wash that you could also use on your hair. Crop Mop Ball Wipes. You never know when an opportunity strikes, so you should always be prepared. Have you ever have you ever gone out, Stuart, and been like, oh my God, I don't have my ball wipes? Like, is, <laughs> is, 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 am I just old? I'm 41 years old. I, I don't think even when I was younger, I was like, my balls are sweaty. I, why did I bring my crop mop with me? Is that is that something the kids do? And did you you go on Tinder dates and you have to bring your ball wipes? That's not a thought I've had uh, recently, but uh, also haven't gone out a lot recently given the times. So uh, you know, maybe there is a, uh, a yeah, maybe maybe it's, it says you never know when an opportunity strikes. So it's like so it's something that spontaneously happens out of nowhere, and then you realize you need ball wipes. Like I. I just can't imagine, like, what is that situation? Um, I would guess that situation arises more if you're not in a committed relationship uh, and you are, you know, out about trying to kind of create your own opportunities, you know, create. uh, I never, I never, maybe, maybe that's why I didn't get as many dates as I should have, because I don't know, my balls weren't properly prepared. Yeah, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know either. (laughs) <laughs> right. See, I understand this. The foot duster, foot deodorant designed to keep the stankiest feet smelling fresh. I get that. OK, I get that. The Shears 2.0 luxury four piece nail kit. OK, OK, that makes sense to me. The weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer, which provides proprietary skin safe technology to get rid of those nasty nose hairs. See, OK, OK, I get this. OK, this is stuff that I can have around. I mean, I'm, I don't I don't know if I'm going to have ball wipes in my pocket, but I mean, this stuff. OK, this makes sense. And let's not forget about the best trimmer for your butt, balls, and body. The Lawn Mower 3.0 trimmer, which offers a replaceable ceramic blade with advanced skin-safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. And, and, uh, and th- these formulations are all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. So you know your products are legit. So like those products I get. Like I've never heard of ball wipes. Maybe, maybe I should, maybe I should try this out. Maybe. Maybe I should ask my wife. Maybe, maybe the opportunity strikes. Maybe, maybe it's never struck in before. Maybe, maybe it's the type of thing where my wife for 10 years has always thought it's like, you know, I didn't want to bring it up because it's kind of embarrassing. But, you know, it'd be great if you got some ball wipes and I'd be like, well, now I have a use for them. Okay, I get it. Or a ball toner. <laughs> That's for the balls. Not for any other thing. It, it, it just amazes me. Um, Products. We're talking internals versus externals here. You know, it's like if your, you know, sexual uh, persuasion is a car. You know, uh, are you are you focused on kind of keeping the engine, uh, you know, souping up the engine, or really, uh, you know, good, uh, you know, paint job and kind of you know, spoilers and stuff, um, what have you? So um, yeah, but nothing for the steering wheel. How come? <laughs> How come everything's focused on the balls and not and not and not the main part? I want the st- the gear shift. Well, we just don't care about the gear shift at all. We just care about what the dashboard or whatever. No, how about the gear? I, I want something for the gear shift. Gotcha. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I can I consider that whole region kind of the 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 engine uh, that that kind of makes makes that car go. Because um, if they gave me products for the gear shift, I don't. I, maybe I don't even need my wife anymore. <laughs> Right. Maybe that's that's maybe Manscaped has those. Maybe that's coming next. Hopefully that ain't read ain't coming next week. But uh, but if you want 20 percent off and free shipping, you can use the code Roto, R-O-T-O at Manscaped.com. You know, thank you, Manscaped, for making our holes look sexy. So get 20 percent off and free shipping and use the code Roto, R-O-T-O at Manscaped.com. Dot com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code ROTO, R-O-T-O. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weeds and make Santa proud. Because San- Santa will be proud of my balls. My wife won't be. <laughs> okay, you, you can't say that we don't try with the ad reads. <laughs> well, you know what I want to try in the, in the next game? Because now, we, now we're getting under 50 totals. So I want to kind of point out like, Games where it's like we have these lopsided games, kind of like we have the Rams who are a 17 point favorite over the Jets. And we have the Ravens who are a 13 point favorite 
over the Jaguars. And I also want to throw in the Cardinals, who are 20, who have a 27.5 implied total. They're a six and a half point favorite over the Eagles. So that's a 48 and a half total. But uh, two, two of these quarterbacks are not like the other. Like, obviously, Jared Goff is Jared Goff, okay? The Rams, Akers is going to be popular. But, I mean, I still think Woods and Cup and Goff, I think that, you know, against the Jets, people are going to do that, even with a 44 implied total, because the Rams, you know, they have a high total. But Lamar and Kyler are both, like, rushing quarterbacks. And we've seen the past two weeks that Lamar Jackson is now rushing the ball more. And we've seen last week that apparently Kyler Murray is much more healthy now. So he's, they're, they're playing a lot more design runs for him. So on, on a slate where people may be like stacking up stuff, like what, what is your, uh, your top stack probability say about like teams like the Ravens, the Cardinals and the Rams in comparison to others? Yeah, they're, they're all up there. So they're all in the top uh, six, we have uh, Rams is second most likely score the most points, twelve point three percent. Baltimore third most likely, twelve point one percent. And then Arizona uh, sixth most likely down at seven point six percent. No, I'm right there with you with uh, really the Baltimore and Arizona guys. Uh, you know, I think Jackson, while he does spread the ball around, like he has shown the ability to kind of generate points for himself at a rate that, you know, really only uh, Kyler Murray can do. Um, You know, I think even though running quarterbacks naked is not something I like to do, it's something you could consider with Baltimore. Although I still think I'd prefer to go like, you know, even add Andrews or Snead or something like that, Uh, you know, given tight end position scarcity, like why not? throw Andrews on there. Um, You know, we saw Marquise Brown flourish in the absence of Snead, but also Andrews. Uh, You know, if Marquise Brown is out, who's not to say that Andrews can flourish in the absence of of Marquise Brown? You know, Snead, I think, is also a reasonable candidate. Uh, Especially we have it if Dobbins' ownership starts coming up. And I'm not against playing James Robinson – as a, I'm, I'm like, truthfully, this, this Ravens stack, like Jackson plus Andrews, I'm fine playing without any Jaguars. But if I were to play a Jaguar, like, I don't mind James Robinson. We saw this, this game, this Browns Ravens game that eight rushing touchdowns. I mean, like they put up like nearly 80 points and it still was mostly rushing touchdowns. So even though Lamar relies, his ceiling relies on rushing touchdowns. Like I still think James Robinson out of the backfield. I'm not scared of the Baltimore run defense much anymore. They've been most attackable through the run. So um, yeah, I mean, I I just like, you know, if if JK Dobbins is going to be super high ownership, I mean, we, we saw it last week that, you know, and yeah, he, he got there late, but like with some of these guys who are kind of, perceived lead backs in a you know slightly better than committee like there are routes to them just you know either that committee not being the same week over week as it you know was the prior week or you know in the case of last week I mean for most of the game it was looking like you know Dobbins was going to brick out because Edwards got all kind of the high high value touches and um yeah I mean I, I think to me it's a good spot for for Jackson and yeah trying to pair up one of those Baltimore pass catchers, you can bring a Jacksonville guy back. You don't have to, I think, um, you know, Jackson is one of these court, like some quarterbacks, um, you know, for them to kind of get to their ceiling, you need the opposition to kind of motivate them to throw. Like I think Russ Wilson is one of those guys, even though he does get some work done with his legs, like still kind of feel like you need someone to push Seattle. Like I don't really feel that way with Jackson or Murray. Um, yeah. And I mean, Murray, like Murray Hopkins to me just feels like a stack that just has a great, great ceiling. Um, you know, it would be one I'd want to skinny stack up. You know, I don't want to play Hopkins and Kirk together. They so far this year haven't shown the ability to get there in the same game. Um, you could go like Kirk Murray, although, you know, I think uh, 
Kirk is a bit of a dart throw play. Um, what I'm interested in kind of y'all's ownership projection on Hopkins to me. Okay, so it's it's fairly high, but um, not not preventatively high. Um, yeah, I mean these are these are two games that I'm I'm super interested in. Uh, think quarterbacks with great ceilings. Uh, in the case of Hopkins, receiver with a great ceiling, uh, you know, good game total or good team total rather. Um, and I, and this is and this is also one of the few weeks where I think I don't mind double tight end. Okay. Like I, I I just to make it very explicit, Kelsey treating him as a wide receiver essentially. So for instance, if I'm going to play Lamar Jackson plus Mark Andrews, like I most likely will not exclude the fact that Kelsey could be in my flex, but he will be the only tight end. That could appear. I'm not going to play Dallas Goddard and Mark Andrews in the same lineup. If they get there, great. Then I, then I, I, I can't win. Okay, great. Whatever it is. But I, I think that on the Philadelphia side, I think Goddard is the best option there. I think Hertz is actually going to pick up ownership based on his results last week. But I, high, I much higher prefer Kyler Murray in this spot for 1,100 more. And then, you know, yeah, I guess you could do the opposite way. You could do Hertz plus Goddard plus Hopkins, but it almost it almost feels like like if Hopkins gets there, Murray gets there. Yeah, um, yeah, no, I, I I agree, um, and I think I think the one you just described will be probably higher ownership uh, than yeah Murray Hopkins, some Philly guy. Um, you know, you know what stack's going to be the lowest owned in, in comparison to what we've seen this year, the Seahawks. Yeah. They have a 25 implied total, but that game's 44 and a half against the the, the, the Washington team. Uh, I mean, from a ceiling perspective, I know a 25 implied total is not is not good, right? Especially for how expensive Seattle is. But you have to you can't argue with the fact that Russell Wilson plus Lockett or Metcalf, like just from a true ceiling standpoint. If, if Seattle came out and scored 35 points and Metcalf had three touchdowns and Russell Wilson threw for five touchdowns, we're not sitting there like surprised or anything. Yeah. So, but how, I mean, how do you justify kind of the, like to me, Kansas city is similar in price and total, like what for you differentiates Kansas city from Seattle is a purely just an ownership thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, re- I mean, y- you'd be right. I mean, the same thing I said about the chiefs, I'd say exactly about the Seahawks. Yeah. About how do you, how do you pay these prices for a team that has a 25 implied total? How do you play the chiefs prices with a 27 and a half implied total when, you know, there are, you could, the Rams are cheaper, right? The Titans are cheap. Like the teams with higher totals are cheaper. The only difference is that like maybe Tyree kill and Kelsey, maybe 10%, you know, Tyreek Hill's 10% and Kelsey's 18 to 20% because he's the best tight end. But then you look down here and go, Metcalf, like Wilson could be 4% owned and Metcalf could be 5%. I mean, like, like, it, hey, do I want to play DK Metcalf at 8,600? No, but I mean, I'm never going to be shocked if he goes out and puts up 40 plus fantasy points. So, I mean, I at least have to consider it. And in comparison to the Chiefs, I think they're lower owned. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And, and, and Seattle is a bit cheaper than, uh, you know, Kansas city. So it's not, it's not a super high difference, but um, I would say it's not negligible. So uh, with the Rams, uh, everyone's going to be owned on the Rams. So, I mean, with golf stacks are going to be owned. Acres is going to be owned. Uh, how do you think the field is going to react? Cause I mean, we're getting to the point uh, where teams have extremely high totals against the jets and then you try to run back a jet and you lose. So, I mean, projections are going to ch- – I mean, I can tell you right now, Denzel Mims coming back is going to have a good projection. Rashad Perriman, crowd, like all these jets, point per dollar-wise, median-wise, are going to have good projections. Uh, is, this, is this finally the time to get off the jets' bring-back bandwagon? Or do you think it's more likely the field tries to do that and maybe the Jets act. Maybe one of the Jets actually has a good game. Um, I mean, damn! I definitely have some recency bias playing into my answer because I got torched playing, you know, Russell 
Perriman, Russell Berrios type stacks last week. Uh, so my inclination just kind of in response to that is to not try to bring back um, any Jets. Um, but it, but it, don't you don't you get this feeling? It's week 15. Don't you get the feeling that that a lot of people are going to think that? Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, Mims has been a guy that I've been playing a good bit of you know, until last week, cause he was obviously out, uh, you know, in cash and tournaments and, you know, I think he's been pretty solid. So, um, he would probably be the guy I, I would want to target. He's just the cheapest. Um, but maybe he will be most popular. I'm not sure. Kind of. Yeah. But I mean, he may not even be that popular. I mean, we have to realize that jets have a 13 and a half implied total. So yeah. I, I mean, but cause, cause I compare Mims at 3,500 to Gallup. I think Gallup for the Cowboys, they only have a 21 implied total, but that, I mean, we say only 21, that's still, that's, that's still seven and a half points more. That's a full touchdown more than the jets. I just think, uh, I just think that in Rams stacks, I think Mims will be present more often, but I, I think that playing an acres plus Mims Acres plus maybe Perriman. Perriman's thirty seven hundred. I think more. I think projections are gonna are gonna like Mims more. Yeah, and and like it's kind of weird to say. Like I'm I'm trying to say, how do we get leverage on Jets? And then I and then in the back of my head, I'm like, who cares? That none of them are ever gonna score enough. Like oh, everyone's gonna play Mims, and I'm gonna play Perriman, and then Mims gets twelve, and Perriman gets eight, and like it didn't matter either way. Who cares? You you shouldn't have rostered either of them. Yeah, well, I will say if you're going to try to stack up the Los Angeles passing side, which I think seems unlikely, and not not saying something I want to do, but uh, you know, if if you if you out there want to stack up the LA side, I think you have to have a jet. I mean, there's just with the way Los Angeles has run this year, like there's no, I, I just can't imagine Los Angeles pass catchers and pass throwers having a productive game if the Jets are doing nothing, right? Like. Yeah, but we've we've said that we've said this before when when like the Jets secondary is horrific, and teams just come in there and go like, yeah, I know we could beat you, but we're going to beat you through the air because you're so even more susceptible in the air. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. I don't think McVeigh has golf throwing yeah. forty five times in this game. Yeah, the Rams haven't been a team that have at least so far this year have wanted to do that. Um, I don't know. I haven't spent that much time thinking about the jet side. I've really more been trying to think about the Los Angeles running backs. Um, you know, like, like I said, at the beginning of the show, like if acres gets the usage that he's had in the past two weeks against the jets with that total, like obviously a fine play. Like, so, I mean, do you like, do we think acres is locked into like a, you know, 70 to 80% rush share role. Like, I don't, I don't think he's locked in, but I don't think that there's anything that I could, I could do about it other than fade him. Like, I don't think it's the type of situation where, well, acres, acres fails. And then I take another running back to me. It's more the fact that they run more of a committee and no one gets there. Like, it's not the type of thing where, well, should I take a shot at Daryl Henderson or Malcolm Brown? It's like, no, it's more of the fact that they eat enough of acres production that acres at 6,600 just doesn't get, has 14 rushes for 55 yards, one catch for eight and no touchdowns. And you're just sitting there going like, okay, I got like 10 points and that didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, I mean, Malcolm Brown is like straight zero right now for Los Angeles. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think it's more likely that Cam Akers is the bell cow than he's not. Yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, yes, I, I agree. I think that is more likely, but is it 80% likely? If so, then probably play a lot of acres. But if it's, you know, 60% likely, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, th- th- this game kind of stumps me. It's like, I don't, I don't really love any components of it, but like the total would suggest that I should, you know, I feel like, you know, I got to pick some, you know, one of the Rams, right? Um, I think you could do a rule of just one of three, you know, a cup woods acres and just, you're making a hundred lineups. You have 33% in everyone. I mean, just someone's getting there. 
Yeah. Just uh, make sure you don't have as, as a, a lot of the Jets. That, nev- that never works out. It's tough because like Cup and Woods are priced pretty high. So it's like, you know, they could they could steal usage from acres, you know, woods could get a gadget, you know, 10 yard touchdown run kind of thing, but that doesn't necessarily mean he smashes, right? Like at six, eight, you know, he could, you know, put up 15 points and, you know, cup could put up 15 and kind of eat out of acres, uh, you know, eat off acres plate. Um, I don't know. Um, Is there any other games that, uh, that you could see that have stacking proponents that, uh, I mean the 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 vomit stack I've kind of tabbed is uh, San Francisco Dallas going like Mullins Ayuk and then Gallup or Cooper some like that. Um, you know, we're talking low totals here, uh, but we're talking you know and somewhat like limited ceilings on like Mullins. Like I'd rather I'd much rather have that as a secondary, like without the quarterback. Sure. I like I you Gallup. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think, or, you, you know, Jeff Wilson Gallup, something like that. Um, yeah. I, I think I agree with you. I'm kind of just looking through some of these bottom teams that are just showing, you know, decent price points relative to their total. And you know, San Francisco was, was kind of the one I was looking at, but. Um, well, now that you're back in the groove, I know you're a little bit behind. Uh, you, you, you'll send out an update via, via your sub stack, right? Yeah. yeah I'll have something out tomorrow. Um also prepping for NBA, which is, you know, taking some time, uh, you know, away from weekly NFL prep, but, you know, I'm super excited for that. Um, been trying this NFL season to do some reading on just some different like, uh, modeling practices that I'm hoping to incorporate, uh, into NBA. So excited for, for that and kind of see how that plays out. Um, trying to kind of retool some of our NBA stuff. Uh, but yeah, we, we should have NBA content ready to go for Tuesday. Um, should be fun. Um, you know, I think this is fun, fun time of year. I, I really like the like January. I, I mean, I, I do really enjoy kind of the short classic slates that you get in like the first couple weeks of playoffs where you have like five, you don't, you don't like those. Mm-hmm. No, now because they get into, get into duplication problems in large field. Yeah. Duplication. Yeah. yeah I, I get that. I guess what I, what I joy about like the short slate stuff is like when you are selecting players you are like you're building lineups around players that you roster but also building and i guess you do it to an extent in class you know in in full slate context where you're where you're building lineups away from players that you you don't like i mean i I know you're always doing that but you kind of like need to fill players from games that you don't like um and I think there's an interesting like exercise of trying to find the players in games that you don't like, or maybe players that negatively correlate from, you know, or negatively correlate with like quarterbacks that you don't want to, that you don't like, or, you know, running backs that you don't like. I mean, I, I guess we do do that in, in the main, in kind of the full, like 11, 11 games. Yeah, you do. It just, uh, I just view it from a perspective that the more choices you give me, the more edge I would have because it's more places for people to get things wrong. Yeah. Right. We have the Saturday slate coming up. It's a two game slate. It's like how, how much, how much wrong can you really get? Like the lineups overlap is going to be ridiculous. No matter what, even if you blindly, if you didn't know anything about football and just close your eyes and click buttons, like you're probably going to be, you're going to probably have half the lineup that I have regardless. So to me, the edge isn't there. The edge in those those large field contests for those are in, in, in not being duped, you know, as many times. Super stacking and doing some weird stuff. Negatively correlating players because no one's going to play two running backs from the same team together. Uh, like, that's more game theory oriented. But mm-hmm. it doesn't give you as much of an edge when, you know, I mean, imagine this slate if you could, it's like, okay, you could pick up one of three tight ends. Do you want Travis Kelsey or you do not want him? It's like, it's kind of like... But, like it, it, but what edge is that? What? How much edge can there be when half the half the lineups look the same? That makes sense. That's probably why I'm the the donk that I am. So, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah. Anyways, looking forward to to NBA stuff on ASA. Um, you know, I think it's gonna be a fun uh, winter for us. We're gonna try to build out some new tools uh, for the season and, and really uh, deploy some. I think uh, 
what I consider to be some kind of uh, different uh, prediction uh, processes. So I'm looking forward to that. Yep. Well, I'm looking forward to that. You can find that at advanced sports analytics.com. You could follow them as analytics DFS on Twitter or start Gibson on Twitter. I'm at blender HD as always. I'm Jordan Cooper with Stuart Gibson. And that was the advanced sports analytics show here on rotogrinders.com. Thank you.